0: Welcome to North Point Plus episode 64. I feel like I'm really um, out of sync being on this side of the table, but I'm here with Larry Carter, who uh, spoke yesterday for us, and uh, we're jazzed about that. And so uh, uh, North Point Plus is the podcast that we do after the message to just kind of uh, have a chance to kind of work back through some of the things to extend the conversation um, about the content of the message and let God speak through that as well. You provide questions, and we get a chance to talk about that, and you listen and leave comments and all that good kind of stuff. And so uh, it's really just about conversation. So more than anything, welcome Mr. Carter, President Carter. Yeah, (laughs) ex-President Ex-President Carter.
1: Carter. Well, thank you, Rick. It was a pleasure being here yesterday, and it's fun to be here today.
0: Good, 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 good. And uh, this is very informal. So um, we are in misery with the Ohio State right. um, loss on Saturday. You can leave your comments. Um, and Larry is a Cincinnati guy yep. and a Bengals fan, so he's he's wearing the colors. That's good stuff. Go go Bengals. That's right. Um, uh, I, uh, tell us a little bit about the thumbs, thumbnail snapshot of your life. How would you end up? At Great Lakes, how did you end up in Michigan?
1: Uh, when I was uh, growing up, my dad uh, told each of us, five boys in the family, you owe us one year at a Bible college. He felt that it would be good for us. Uh, we were all a pretty strong-headed, willful young men, and he thought one year would be good for us. And so I ended up attending Cincinnati uh, Bible College. Christian University now, Uh, it was, and uh, was there going to do my year and then leave and go to University of Cincinnati. I was thinking of going into law, even anticipating maybe thinking about politics. Didn't know, but uh, I was thinking about going into law at the time. Uh, During my freshman year, second semester, I met my future wife, and that's the only reason I stayed for my (laughs) For my <laughs> sophomore year, good stuff. And then by the time I sophomore year, I thought, well, the junior year, and and the only reason she agreed to date me was, uh, she said you'd be the last person to ever go into ministry. So that's really the truth of the story. After we graduated, Judy and I got married after my junior year. She had graduated a year ahead of me. She worked at Standard Publishing Company, which is a religious publishing house in Cincinnati, and we moved to uh, Springfield, Illinois to work with uh, the d- directory of the ministry and National Teen Convention. I was going to be, and I was, the director of it for a year. Uh, that was my uncle ran that. And uh-huh. so. Uh, but during that time, uh, we started to attend a-, a church out in the country, and uh, the elders came to me and said, since you're a Bible college grad, uh, we need a part-time youth minister. Would you be willing to do it? And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in ministry. That's the last thing I want to do. And they said, could you pray about it? And Mm -hmm. and I said, that's not fair. That's what (laughs) I told them. So I did pray about it and talked to my wife about it. And I said, well, I I could do this. I can do a weekend youth ministry type thing. Sitting in a worship service, nine months into it, uh, us being there in Illinois. And the preacher was a great guy. I don't know if you ever heard it. Well, maybe I should mention his name, but great guy. Well, he's passed on. His name yeah. is Dick Baines. Uh-huh. I've ever heard of Dick's name. Great guy, great person to be a mentor to me about what it is to be a pastor. But he could not preach very well, and I'm sitting out there counting the ceiling tiles and waiting for him to be done because he would state the obvious, you know, water is wet or sky is blue type of thing, and wasn't learning much. And finally, I, in the service, I said to God one day. This is what I said. If this is what passes for preaching these days, we're doomed. That's what I said. God spoke to me. I've never had God speak to me ever in my life before, and he has never since. It wasn't a vocal thing. I didn't hear anything. But in my own spirit and in my mind, God said, at least he's up there doing it. That's what he said. And three weeks later, and I'm 22 years old. I get a call from a church in Northeast Indiana, and they say to me, "You've come. You've come highly recommended to be our next senior minister." Now, here, now understand, I gave nobody any indication, anything that I was going to do that or wanted to do it. Never happened. Uh, didn't want to do it. Judy didn't want to do it. And they, I said, well, who would recommend me? And he said, a, a man named Charles Matthews. Now, Charles uh-huh. used to be president of Great Lakes Christian College, and he worked at Standard Publishing at the time. And it seems that this church outside of Fort Wayne, Indiana, had contacted Charles and said, would you know anybody that you could recommend? He goes, no, I don't know anybody, but I pledged to pray, it, pray about it over the weekend, and whatever name God gives me, I will give to you. Wow, that's good. What the only name God gave him, Now, I've met Charles one time in my life. He didn't know where I was. He didn't know what I was doing. But God gave him my name. Based on that, he said, God recommended Larry Carter. That's how I got into ministry. Wow.
0: (laughs) That's such such a great story, um, especially... in the context of of what we've been talking about with experiencing God, and the the stuff that's in Blackaby, where you see God at work, you join Him there, and that you trust based on circumstances, based on Scripture, based on the church, um, based on uh, prayer, for God to speak and work through that. And uh, for for you guys who listen, um, it's... It's uh, you're you may be saying, boy, that story sounds familiar because I just shared a few weeks <laughs> ago kind of my story, <laughs> <Your> story. which is <laughs> a similar deal. Both of us went to uh Cincinnati uh, Christian yeah. University since the Cincinnati Bible College at different times, right. we didn't know each other until right. until we got up here, but our path has been really similar, and I think that that's a god thing too in the midst right. of. of of just trying to figure out, okay, what's what's God doing, and how do you get there? So right. that's that's great. Um, well, just one uh, other question, critical question. This okay. is like earth shaking. <laughs> so, are you a turkey leftover guy or not?
1: Oh, I love leftover turkey. <laughs> In fact, that's better than the turkey. <laughs> you only make turkey so <laughs> with, you can have with, the leftover bread with bread and gravy, like the open faced turkey sandwiches. Yeah. those are the best. Right at the
0: Ruble House, there those are called hot shots. <laughs> okay, that so would be mine. We, we toast we toast the bread, put the turkey on some uh, mashed potatoes gravy smothered that's the best good 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 (laughs) so um so the 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 podcast thanks thanks so much for just sharing your story because i think that's an encouragement to people again you never know where god's going to lead no but if you're open and if you're listening uh, god speaks so um uh, if we can like before we jump into some questions can you just do kind of a uh I don't know, a 30 second synopsis of yesterday's message. So if somebody didn't listen, what, what were the big things the, that you wanted to communicate?
1: I think uh, primarily what I was trying to say is that uh, we make church too complicated. Uh, there's, there's a lot of books on simple church and yeah. you know, just basic church. And, and I agree primarily with what they're saying, but I think even they make it too difficult. Um, And what I was trying to say is that if we just really go down to the basics, and the two points I was trying to make is that know that you're children of God and live like it, yeah, right, and then see the world through God's eyes and love like it. So that's really, that's really the message yesterday. That you know I've had people in churches where I've served as a pastor who, number one, want all their answers. They want all, all the answers to all the questions they'll ever have, and some of them are very complicated. the yeah. theological discussions about, well, is this the right way and that's the right way? And I said, how will knowing that answer change how you're living your life? Right. Not really. It won't. And so let's get down to the real simple things of just living out what we know. And that's, yeah. what we, that's another question we'll be talking about probably. But we're, we're making it way too difficult, and it just—our uh, our reaction to the teachings of Christ is really simple. Look at the people that came to him. I think about the blind man who—I yeah. don't think he was a college grad and understood all the theological wranglings. All he said all the time is, hey, I don't know, but one thing I know, once I was blind, now I see. I mean, that's yeah. about as simple
0: as you can yep. get. And that's—to yeah. me, I think we've made things way complicated. Yeah, that's that's a story. I I loved, I loved in your message the story of your son, and and his MDiv degree. I, oh. I I've shared. I taught it at a Christian college. Uh, taught people about ministry stuff. You've been president at a Bible right. college for more than twenty years. The um, the role that the Bible college and, and, uh, um, education part of it plays is critical for people in, right. in ministry. It's critical for church leadership. I, you know, I, I would always say I went to Bible college because I knew I was going to be a leader in a church and I wanted a great foundation, right. But it is really easy to substitute knowledge for relationship. Right. And, um, and so I, I, Appreciated so much, your son saying, "Yeah, I learned a lot about my faith, that's right. but it didn't necessarily grow my faith." No, so, that's yeah. Right. Um, the uh, early in your message, you talked about uh, the conversation you had with your dad, yeah. which was that was just fun to visualize um, uh, your stoic dad uh, yeah. asking that question. So, and, and you said, "Here's what I know: I know I'm a Christian, I know I'm a Carter." What what right. what did it mean to be a Carter? Uh, like when when you talked about that, what what was that?
1: My dad was a very moral man. Uh, he lived out what he said he believed. I remember one time. Uh, this is just this came to me right now. He uh, he he discouraged us to go to school dances.
0: Uh, <laughs> that was a non-dance well, time in, well, in the church. We uh. still
1: went to dances, but he discouraged us. And I asked him one time. I said, Dad. W- I mean, this is school dances with teachers around, and so it's about as innocent as you can be. And he goes, well, I went to a school dance once, and I'm quoting my dad, and I danced with a very buxom young lady, and a thought came into my mind that shouldn't be there, and I vowed to never dance again. And I didn't want you guys to ever have those thoughts. That's my dad.
0: Wow.
1: That was the level that he was at. Uh, so Wow,
0: personal integrity. You know, good, yeah, good was, stuff. Uh,
1: the other thing, devotion and service. Uh, he preached at a little church. He was the editor-in-chief of Standard Publishing Company for like 35 years. But for 17 years, he would drive all the way out to a little town of Moscow, Ohio, on the banks know, of the Ohio River. I know Moscow. And yeah. and he preached there as a part-time minister. And uh, I didn't know until one day, probably... 12 years into it I stood standing out the little foyer that had the little bell pole they all had the old to ring the bell people come to church and I saw an elder give dad a check and he turned it over signed it and gave it back and uh we're walking out I said to mom I said what's that about she goes dad doesn't want you to know I said what's that he goes he does this for free he said, so we drive 40 miles out, 40 miles back every Sunday, and he did it for 17 years, and he did it because he wanted to serve the Lord. Wow. that's That was the example my dad set about how you live. And then family mm. is so important, and loyalty to family and being family um, was, was so important to him. So those are some of the principles about yeah. knowing what it meant to be a Carter. I knew because my mom— because my dad would never tell me. I wouldn't even have the conversation with dad. But they gave 20% to the Lord, yeah. and they raised five boys. And when we all went to college, more or less, he said, "Uh, our goal is that when you're 18, you're you're able to live on your own and be self-sustaining. So we've cashed in your children's life insurance policy. So here's $100, have a good life at age 18. He did that to each one of us boys. So we paid for every, outside of the 100 bucks. we paid for everything. For of our all common, of your
0: education, yeah. All
1: of our education all the way. And mom and dad never felt guilty about it at all. Yeah. In fact, what they said is, if you guys couldn't, then we failed you as parents. Wow. We We <laughs> raised you to be able to have you... Live your life from age as adults at age eighteen, so that, those are some of the things that yeah. taught me
0: so the, so this isn 't message related but it 's just yeah. really good stuff. I would imagine in order to do that, that there were a lot of progressive uh, you you experienced a life of progressive responsibility yeah. that there were you were responsible for stuff at five, more stuff at right. eight, more stuff at ten right exactly
1: right, and that that was very much the way it was now, I will say my mom. She doted on her five boys, and she did a lot more than what Dad wanted her to. But we all had responsibilities, and we all had to uh. carry out. We we all had jobs from age thirteen on. I mean, outside the home, we, like
0: what kind of jobs?
1: Like I worked at Mount Healthy Christian Home in the kitchen, uh, washing uh. dishes. I, I worked, and you know, I I did all kinds of things. Yeah, all kinds of different jobs. Had a some we had a summer. My I have a twin brother, and we we mowed grass all summer. Went around and got contracts with people, and had a, a lawn service at age 15. Wow. Know. So those were the kind of things.
0: Did did they um, protect you from failing? Did, did did they let you fail? What oh, was yeah. that like?
1: That was the other thing that was interesting. I know this is way off topic. That's, that's okay. That's <laughs> good stuff. But, uh, for Bonus example.
0: material on North Point Plus. <laughs> for, yeah.
1: for example, um, uh, Mom and Dad wanted us to live our lives with as minimal amount of involvement, uh, even with our grades. Um, they they never really checked our grade cards much, and we were jocks all the way through, and so we didn't study very well. My my twin brother Jerry, the only reason he was able to graduate from high school is I went to the assistant principal. I said, "You really want him around another year?" He had <laughs> had two fistfights with two different gym teachers. So that describes us a little bit as young men, and uh, and and the assistant principal said, "No, I don't. We're going to have him graduate with you." <laughs> so that was wow. I, so, But anyway, uh, mom and dad never wanted to play favorites either. And uh, uh, my brother Jim, the second one down, is a super natural athlete, uh, just great athlete. Um, Jerry and I were overachievers, but we were in sports all the time. But for example, I was. I was king of the junior high. I was president of my class, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. I was president at Cincinnati, Bible college. And my dad never said one word to me ever about it. My mom said something once because they'd never wanted to show favoritism. Really? Yeah. So they never, the pat on the back, we never really got.
0: Um, was that hurtful? Or no, it was just, just the way normal? It was,
1: it was just, just normal. It, but his reason was a good reason. Yeah. He didn't want anybody to feel like somehow they're not accomplishing or they're not achieving. Wow. So, so uh, you know, I understood that. So uh, I got enough
0: kudos uh, yeah.
1: other places. So that's, yeah. I know that's again off topic, but yeah. So, so, so
0: um, let's talk about the church. Yeah. So you were, um, you were pastor for fifth, more than 15 yeah. years, 20 yeah. years, 22
1: 39 years altogether
0: before yeah. you went to the yeah. college. Right. Wow. Um, and so lots of experience there. would be 29 years. 29, 29 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems often now, but probably back then too, 40 or 50 years ago, the Church has always had problems and always seemed like it was kind of messed up. Why is that?
1: Because as we said y- yesterday, it's full of imperfect people. Yeah. And praise God, it does because... That's who we all are. Right. And I I think where where I see problems in the church is basically Mm self-centeredness, that we want things the way we want them, and it doesn't matter what anybody else wants. I want what I want, and that's the end of it. Uh, Another story about my dad. My dad dad hated the uh, modern worship that we have today, the worship worship wars and so forth. He hated that.
0: He Mac, was a, he was a hymn guy.
1: Uh, he was definitely a hymn guy. I remember when he was dying and he was planning for his funerals and he said looked at me and he said there will be no guitars at my funeral. That's what he said. So <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Okay. I got it, dad." But we were I remember standing next to him. He went to Christ Church at Mason. Uh-huh. And uh everybody else is singing and my dad's got this beautiful bass voice. Whenever I loved sitting next to dad, we're singing hymns cuz you could Feel the, the the pew vibrate with his voice. With his voice, wow! And uh, but he would stand there and uh, and he wouldn't sing, and uh, and I said I said to him after service, we were at the dinner. I said, you know, Dad, you're you're setting an example. People respect you. Know you're an elder. You know you're a Bible school teacher here. And he goes. I said, what do you do? He said, son, uh, I I just I'm not into singing those. But what I do during the service is I pray those words to God.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: So while I'm not singing, I am praying those words to God. And I went, now that's the right attitude. Yeah. You know, you, you don't have to go and fight and gripe and, and complain or, you know, hold out and say, I'm not doing that type of thing. But he was really supportive of using those words uh, to pray to God.
0: And still very very much participating. Oh, yeah. Oh, very uh, yeah. much engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Very much engaged. That's,
1: so, But I think, again, I think it's really, as you know, Rick, in your experience, when you get to uh, leadership in the church, it's about power and control. It's mm-hmm. like, finally, it's my turn to have my say, uh, which is, again, basically self-centeredness. It's yeah. taking your eyes off of Jesus, and it's upon yourself. And... Not living out. The the best elders I've ever had were very humble men Mm. that hardly said a word, but when they spoke, people
0: listened. People listened, yeah.
1: And it's because they knew where their heart was. And then you have these other guys that, I remember walking after a very contentious elders meeting. We took a break. I'm walking downstairs, and this guy walks next to me and says, Don't you just love that? Don't you just love the button heads and really having that discussion? I said, No, we're wasting time not doing God's business. And he goes, I wouldn't speak to my boss that way. And I said, That's your problem. You think you're my boss. (laughs) Anyway, that's another story. (laughs) <laughs> and,
0: and you relate. I'm sure you relate. I, so. I love it. No, we, we we actually have great, great elders at North Point. But I have been in yeah. some places. Yeah, that's uh, what that's, I meant. That's what I meant. I have. Um, d- so, it as you were speaking yesterday, and I was thinking about uh, where every church um, has its strengths. Every church has its flaws. Mm-hmm. Every church is filled with imperfect people. Uh, stuff gets misunderstood. All, all kinds of things. Like that, um, what do you think the church in the New Testament was like? because i I think when we read, we think, oh man, if I could have just been a part of the church at Ephesus with Paul there, you know if i if I could have if you could imagine the relationship they had with Paul when he left, they're crying on the seashore, you know, all that kind of stuff and I, and and we say, yeah, I know the church in Corinth was really screwed up, um, but what do you think the church? Uh, as you were speaking yesterday i was I was just thinking, I wonder what the church was like in the New Testament, all, all those little churches that were scattered around any thoughts well,
1: yeah i think I think all of them had their problems, yeah, I think, especially by the time you get to the Book of Revelation, what did Jesus have to say about them? They're, if you don 't repent, guess what yeah it's going to be trouble for you, yeah, so uh now, while they had positive things, just like I think just like what you 're saying, we all have strengths and weaknesses what I love about what Jesus says in the book of Revelation is he lists their strengths. Right. But then he goes, but I have this against you. Yeah. And then he goes and talks about those things. And uh, I think the, the church of Philippi was about the only one uh, that, that he didn't have much to say, bad yeah. things to say, but the rest, uh, there was some real critical things, but even the church at Ephesus, He said, you've, you've left your first love. Right. And so I think when you have people anywhere, I mean, look, even in the book of Acts, when they just are starting out, and there we we had people who were, what it was it, Simon Magus, who was trying yeah. to earn his way, and yeah, try, I mean, so you had problems. I think right from the start, you you yeah. had you had real problems and difficulties because it's full of imperfect people, yeah. And and what is just so amazing to me is that this is the way God designed it, yeah. And uh, but that's when you think about it, it's the only way He could have right, and and so. I think the key for me and that I've had to learn, and it took me a long time to learn, was when I was younger, I'd get involved in power struggles Mm. Mm -hmm. and between people and take sides and so forth. And uh, as I've learned as a church leader, I don't do that. I stay focused on the very simple thing that I need to do. I need to love both sides. I need to focus and talk about what are our priorities, what are our priorities here? Right. What did Jesus pray for in John seventeen? Yeah, unity. Unity. And so I, I cannot be the divisive one. I cannot. Right. I have to be the unifier, no matter what, because that's what Jesus asked us to do. So I'm going to do. Yeah.
0: That. You know, um, as 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 you were speaking yesterday. Um, and I was again just kind of processing that question in, in terms of just thinking about the the church in the New Testament, and thinking that um, so much of what we read that that when we read about Paul's instruction or um, James' instruction, Peter's instruction, that we think, oh, that's just such a good word for the church. We fail to see that much of what we see as affirming was. Probably corrective. Mm-hmm. It was. It was probably. Yeah, this is going on, and it and it ought not be going on that that's way. Right. So, so uh, there's there's just I think a healthy perspective to realize that we're all on this journey, and that the in the in the context of this study, as we look at what God is speaking to us about, and when we respond with obedience, we see what He's doing. We see how we can join Him in that process, and that's that's just really good stuff. Um, and when you go back to, to my call in ministry,
1: uh, when I told Judy what had happened in the worship service, she was not happy about that. <laughs> uh, and and when I got the phone call three weeks later out of the blue, I said, is there any doubt that God spoke? Oh. She goes, no. And I said, then there's no doubt about our response. So and we still did the—, the That's good. We, we still did Gideon's Fleece, uh, where— uh, we listed ten things that we didn't let the church at Coburn Corners Church of Christ outside of Fort Wayne, Indiana. We wrote down ten things that had to they have to be answered in the affirmative for us to know. Uh, Louis Weber, our our friend that we know, always said that uh, there's some things that what God asked me to do. He said uh, that God would have to show me a picture ID. So oh, I really like yeah. that phrase that. Uh, Uh, challenging god that way he are you really it's really you god you know type of thing but so we worked on 10 things and last thing was salary uh of the 10 things and i went in so i went into this interview with this church with these elders knowing there's no way they're going to answer all 10 so i was as
0: free as could be oh
1: i was just laughing with them joking and having a great time and uh the, the chairman of the elders uh had set up a, a, a figure, and I said, well, that, that's good for about nine months. I said, so I'll be working the other three months with a part-time job? And he goes, what? And one of the elders said, I think he got you there, Harold. Got you there, Harold. And so they said, go out in the hallway. By the way, they had answered all nine yes, and I said, they're not going to get this one. you know." So I went out in the hallway, came back in. They said, okay, here's what we're going to pay you. It was to the dollar. Wow. And I went, so I went back to the hotel, and Judy saw my face. After the interview, interview, and she goes, "Oh no!" I said, "Oh yeah."
0: So, so say that, say that line again that you told Judy.
1: I said, "Wow, well, the first thing is, is God speaking. Is, is yeah. it God speaking? And if God is telling you to do that, is there any question? Yeah, this, you've got to do it."
0: That's so good. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny the whole God's ID thing. When uh, this is a part of our story that yeah. I haven't told um, really in public, the. So I was really struggling with whether to stay in ministry. Uh this is I'd I'd been a music minister for about three years. And and the church was where I was was going through some struggles financially. And I thought, you know what? Here's here's what God has really prepared us to do. I'm just gonna stay there. I'm gonna take a job in the marketplace. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm what I've been doing as a volunteer. And and that just makes tons of sense. And and I had a chance to take a job with um, with Wendy's international oh. um, back you know in the early 1980s and um, I went to a conference a music conference with a friend who I had been in school with named Ken Reed who at that point in time was in Rockford Illinois ah. and um, and we so we go to this conference it was incredibly encouraging Ken good friend lots of wisdom I had talked through kind of my struggle in terms of what we' were gonna do we can't Got home, I think, on a Thursday night or a Friday. On um, the next Monday, um, there's a phone call that comes to our house from Ken Mead, oh, in Rockville, <laughs> Rockville, Maryland. Oh my god! Um, if you know Deb, Deb doesn't <laughs> like to talk on the phone, and um, and so typically on, when she's on the phone, it's like get me off the phone, and um, and so she hears. Uh, this guy says he's Ken Mead from Rockville, Maryland, and she hears Ken Reed from Rockford, Illinois, and she says, "She says, like, oh, he would, he's going to be so glad that you called. Oh, he'll be so excited." She's just all bubbly and effervescent, and kind of uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, call him at the church. That's no problem at all. Uh- and um and so she hangs up. Ken calls me, um at the church and says, "Were you expecting my call?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, no. <laughs> "Not at all." <laughs> and uh, but for us, yeah. it it really was one of those yeah. uh, God's ID pieces because right. it was it just all, yeah, all he great. was working through all that stuff. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, the uh, you you talked about about Louis Weber's church and mm-hmm. the ministry to the migrant workers yeah. the ministry to the Carnies. Um, what kind of things, how, how do we find those kind of um, opportunities? And and I'm sitting there listening yesterday, thinking about that for us as a church, for North Point as a whole, but also for life groups, right. uh, you know, f- for a small group of people. How is it that we can um, become aware or think about those things that God might be, um, where God might be working or, or open up the door for us to? Yeah, Uh, it's the weird
1: thing about that is that uh, I was literally blind to those opportunities, never even crossed my mind, uh, to open my eyes and, and see that there are groups of people that we don't see every day. We just don't see. Um, I, I, for example, at, at the college, at Great Lakes Christian College, I talked to students and I said, some of you guys don't have to work because your parents have, they're they're well well off and they're able to pay for your education. I said, you know what would be really a blessing? Just around the corner, down the street, behind the Kroger's, is uh, a nursing home. Mm -hmm. I said, that place is full of people that uh, no one ever comes to see. Uh, I'd go down there and I could take you down there uh, or you can go down as a group and introduce yourself to the director and say, here's what we want to do. And I said, You would be an incredible blessing. And we have students that do that to, even to today. Wow. Today. And because now, and again, that's the thing you would drive by every day. Yep. You see, it's right there. You just don't have any eyes to see that. And yet, there's full of people. There's that, that place is full of people who are 90 years old, 95 years old, who have outlived all their friends, a lot of their relations. Right. Their kids might live 100, 200 miles away. And so they're all. All by themselves. But that's an example of what I'm saying. Is that So how
0: how did how did that idea it work come? It worked great?
1: I no, I mean oh. how did how did that idea come well, to be, you? Be, well because of exactly what I was talking about, opening my eyes to Got see it. see a, the things a, that are around me. I uh, is that
0: something. No, that you I just pray? driving
1: by and, and saying, oh. you know what, that would be a, and just really I guess God would the Holy Prompt. Spirit urging yeah. me, uh, seeing that place, I said would be really good good for our students to go down and do that. And, and be involved in that uh,
0: you know it's it's funny just thinking about how that might happen um, you didn't you just talked about Louis you didn't describe him physically yeah. or the kind yeah. of things that he was involved in um, th- just talk about that because the whole idea of ministry to carneys yeah. um, and and uh, ministry to migrant workers that was that makes sense in terms of yeah. of who Louie uh, was. Yeah, that's right. He
1: was, he was very much. He's a big guy, probably about six four. I think he probably weighed over four hundred pounds. Yeah, just a big guy um, and a shaved head. And, looked like a biker. And, yeah, he looked just like a biker, and so he could really relate to people. Yeah, but he could relate to anybody. He he was yeah. just incredible personal person. But yes, so find find that niche, and and be involved in that. But I remember talking to a a lady once I, when I was a minister at Kentwood Christian Church in Grand Rapids, and she goes, you know, um, I work eight hours a day, and I come home, I'm with my kids, and you talk about, you know, being evangelistic. She said, I'm just so tired when I get home, I just don't feel like doing anything. And I said, I forget her name, I said the name was Kathy, it wasn't Kathy. I said, well, Kathy, now where do you work again? She goes, well, I work at Amway. And I said, so what do you do? Well, I sit a, on a line and we it's passed down and I put this cap on here and pass it to the next person and so it's kind of like an assembly line and I said do you, do you sit by the same people every day she said oh yeah I've been next to the one person for eight years another person for 12 years and I said well tell me about them and she goes oh well the person on my right she's messed up she's into drugs and just this really miserable person and Life is just horrible. And so the other person on my on my left has been married. She's on her third marriage. Again, she's lost and so forth. And I said, Kathy, why do you think God has put you there? Mm. And it was like she looked at me, and the realization hit her. She goes, that is why I'm there. I said, yeah. Have you ever talked to them about your relationship with the Lord? She goes, no. I said, can you? She goes, I could do that every day. It never crossed my mind. Yeah never crossed my mind and she goes i am now and it was like she went away bouncing yeah and, so, and never getting it i think that's what uh, i think it's just we're uh, we're blind to it but i really believe that if we said to god god i want to serve and i want to serve people that maybe no one sees uh Open doors for me, yeah, and and make that prayer, and I really believe the Holy Spirit will urge you to go in a certain direction, and it'll be according to your gifts. And
0: yeah, um, are you comfortable? I uh, boy, we didn't talk about this. Can can you share the story that you shared about the conversation you had? It was either between services or after second service yesterday about the person and their neighbor. Oh, uh, yeah, that yeah.
1: was really great. Uh, yeah. One of the, the, the ladies who walked out after the service, uh, first service, uh, no, it was second service, she she came up to me and she goes, uh, thank you for the message. She goes, you know, I, I've been meaning to do this, but I kept putting it off, looking for the right time.
0: You're meaning to do what?
1: She wanted to t- invite her neighbor to church. Got it, yeah. I'm sorry, yes. She says, I, I wanted to invite my neighbor to church, but I was always looking for the right time. But I really think that was an excuse, hmm. and she goes, "I'm going to do that this week."
0: That's yeah.
1: I'm going to invite my neighbor, and then she shared how she was talking to a friend of hers that uh, was going to a different church, and she goes, w- "Why are you going to that church?" She goes, "Because my neighbor invited me."
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> I, again, I, I think I think yeah. the the context in terms of of what we've been talking about for the last ten weeks about Seeing how God is working, yeah. and um, joining Him in that work, and and just recognizing the way that He's working around us, and um, and implementing that, uh, right. living that out in yeah. in our world is is cool. Um, um, what does caring for people who are far from God, so people who don't know Jesus, what does caring for them look like, um, for? individuals yeah. uh, we, we talk sometimes a lot about okay how do we do that as a church that we do community impact things that we you know mm-hmm. that that we give water that we right. um, feed that we plant a church in Kenya that we do those kind of things what's that look like um, in individual lives yeah
1: well, I, you asked that question earlier I have it on a piece of paper so I I just uh, love this scripture it's part of the Beatitudes Jesus Sermon on the Mount That they may see your good deeds. Wow. And praise your ha- Father in heaven. So, how do we put that light on the stand? It's through our good deeds. There's uh, the, the Mormon church have become specialists in being great neighbors. Yeah. Uh, and why their church is one of the fastest growing churches in the world is they focus on being great neighbors in their neighborhood. And people go, wow, I'd like to have a family like that and live like that. Now, you can question their theology all you want, right. uh, but that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so it's about seeing your good deeds. Here's an example. I came out to work one day, and my mailbox had been destroyed. Somebody, you know, those kids with baseball bats come and smash the smithereens. Nice. At, and I came out and I went... Oh, great. Well, that's a job I have to do when I come home. So I went to work. And I came back and I'm going the same way. And I see my mailbox is all, in fact, it's better than it was. It's one of those big plastic jobs, massive thing. I'm going, Holy cow. And I said, Ah, oh, that had to be Bill. So I parked a car, went right across the street. Still had my work clothes on, went over and knocked on the door. And Bill came to the door. He's a retiree from General Motors. And I said, Bill, did you do that out there? What I said, you know what I'm talking about. The mailbox. He goes, Yeah, I went and did that. I said, What do I owe you? And he goes, Not a thing. I said, I know that cost you a chunk of change yeah. to put that out there, let alone your labor. And he goes, No. This is what he said. This is what neighbors do, don't they? Mm. That, that's that's what it struck me. This is what neighbors do. And I'm going, you know what? If Christians just had that mentality, this is what neighbors do yeah, this, Jesus yeah. talked about being good neighbors right and having good deeds I think if we just look for opportunities they're there yeah uh, uh, but we get so involved in our own lives and uh, our schedules and we just don't have that that mentality but when we start thinking those ways how can I put myself in a position to be that good neighbor uh, yeah. and I think that's that's really a
0: key yeah that's that's just really good stuff the um, that's it wouldn't it be great I mean we've talked in terms of our vision at, at North Point our, our short-term vision is that everybody everybody who calls North Point home would see J- Jesus working in their life and be yeah. talking about it with others yeah. and there is that sense that um, you know if everybody could say oh that's what Christians do yeah, that's right uh, um, that, that's just yeah. what we do that uh, and
1: I think I think the and that's the difference I think so many times we think the answer is in what we say. Yes. It's not. Yeah. It's in what we do.
0: Yeah. And that's what, that's what Jesus said. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, we've got a couple in our life group that it's really interesting that they would say they they've grown a ton in the, in the last year. And they would say they are convinced that God allowed them and led them to buy the house that they're in, that they've just moved into in this last year, um, because of the relationships that they have built in their new neighborhoods, that's right. the, um, that that they're social people, but they have reached out over and over again, having people over, you know, doing bonfires, that kind of thing. And I know that they're the glue in their neighborhood, yeah. even though they've only been there a short uh, period of there time. You, uh, yes. There you go. That's yep. that's good stuff. Got one last question. All right. You um uh, you said at one point in the message, you grow deeper by putting into practice what you already know. Yeah, that's what my son just said. Oh, you got it. Yeah. yeah, you grow deeper by putting into practice what you already know. What? How do you do that? Where, where do you start? What are some practical steps that you can take to live that out?
1: You know, I, I it's maybe this is too too simplistic, but Jesus didn't he say, "Unless your faith is that of a little child," mm. uh, I think go back to those little child lessons you learned. In Bible school, uh-huh. in junior church, and live those out. Uh, I think that's where you start. with that the song "This Little Light of Mine," I'm going to let it shine. Right? Yeah. Won't let Satan blow it out. Right? Yeah. And so, go back. Go back to the faith of a child, the simple, basic faith about what were you taught about not lying, you know, uh, mm-hmm. of helping others and being of service and all these things. I think again, uh, to me to make this kind of be a circle, we've made it way too complicated. Yeah. And we're in these deep, deep theological places. Go back to the faith of a child and what is it that we're taught as children to live like and be like and live that out? And I, I think we've skipped that. We've missed maybe some developmental steps yeah.
0: that way. Any um, any hints or direction for people who maybe didn't grow up in church or didn't have parents that were really invested in um, in, in pouring into their kids in terms of they, they kind of raised themselves. Uh, for somebody like that, any thoughts? Like they didn't have that they, training? They, yeah, they, they didn't have that training. To,
1: well, I think it goes back to simple things like, <laughs> it, it, and again, it sounds simple, but having a kind heart. Oh. What, what, what kind of heart does God have? What, what Have a kind heart toward other people. Yeah. Even people that aren't living like you think they should. Uh, I'm glad God has a kind heart toward me when I was so rebellious. Yeah. God always had a kind heart. And so sometimes, but you know, you've heard this before, ex-smokers are the ones that are so critical of those that are still smoking, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, sometimes when people find Christ and they see the difference he makes in their life, sometimes they become really judgmental to other people. Yeah. And I think we can't go down that road. I think Jesus said, that Jesus said, I didn't come to judge the world. Right. In fact, he said many times, your job is not to judge. Yeah. So I think that we need to have a kind heart toward people that even we disagree with and, yeah. and don't get, don't get so uh, involved emotionally and, uh, uh, because, you know, we, we feel, and it could be, they're living contrary to Scripture. That should not uh, excuse you for not having a kind heart towards people. Yeah. No matter their lifestyle, what they're trying to do or accomplish, uh, we need to still have that kind heart. And I think that's the great starting point, and to have that kind, and not being tolerant. I'm not yeah. saying being tolerant and allow things to but having a kind heart Towards
0: people, you know, it's funny because I, I when I when I asked that question, it, it's not like I had a it wasn't a leading question, mm-hmm. um, but just as you are talking, I just keep hearing Ephesians 4, yeah. um, 32, right. yeah. ringing in my mind. Be yeah, kind right. and compassionate to one another, to one another, forgiving right. each other, just as in Christ God forgave and you. And let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, yeah. but only that which would give
1: grace to the hearer. Yeah, and so to me, that's that's it. And that's that's how we can really make an impact on our life and times. Yeah, um,
0: I said that was the last question, but I got one more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> um, I, can you um, the first John five yeah. verse? Um, can can you just talk back through that again? Well, what what's so
1: great about if you read First John, and uh, I, and you can read commentaries and so forth, but. Man, I don't understand what he's saying sometimes. When he says, "You know, if you sin, you're you're anti God or you're not a Christian," I'm going, "Well, golly, I must not be a Christian because I still sin, right?" Yeah. What do you mean by that? I don't even understand yeah. that. So it's it's like I think with me when I'm reading First John, and I'm going through all these verses, it's so deep, it's way beyond my comprehension. Even after being in ministry all these years, I yeah. I think again, I can read commentaries and say what they're saying, but to me, none of them are satisfactory. Mm-hmm. I don't think they really, I don't really, I'm not there yet. The Holy Spirit still teaching right. me. So when I come to a simple verse of scripture, <laughs> I yeah. latch onto that. And, uh, like I said, in the service, I I've read first John May. It's one of my favorite yeah. of, of John's letters. And I'm reading through there and the Holy Spirit just stopped me that one day yeah. and said, I want you to really unpack this. What does that really mean for you? And, uh, it was like, oh, my goodness.
0: What's, what is that verse?
1: It's 1 John 5, 19. 19. Yeah. Uh, we know we're children of God, and the whole world lies under the power of the evil one, um, which goes on with 1 John 3, 1. Yeah. And it says, we know we're the children of God, that God lavished his love on us <laughs> uh, to allow yeah. us to become the children of God. The, and so so to me, that was, again, going back to simple Christianity. Right. Just simple.
0: Right. That, you know, in that verse, um, just digesting it, um, you did a great job of unpacking it. One of the things that's there that for me just, it was like, oh yeah, that's just so true. And it was true, obviously, when it was written, it's true now. Um, the whole world is under the the yeah. influence of, of Satan. Yeah, The whole we shouldn't be surprised that's right at all the stuff that's going on around us right um it we, like we we shouldn't um i it should still probably grieve us but we shouldn't be overwhelmed or eh, you know uh discouraged right because that's the reality of the world that we live in satan came to steal kill and destroy that's right and um and jesus came to give life so yeah any any last thoughts
1: that you want to share No, I I just, I I am so grateful to God that Mm. he saved me, Mm. uh, that uh, I've I've known people who are raised in Christian homes that still walked away and did not continue to believe, and I'm glad God did not let me go, uh, even though I've had periods of time when I wanted to in my life, when I was younger. Uh, But God had a hold of me, and even despite my contrary my contrary uh, uh, spirit, and my prideful spirit. When I was younger, I had it all. I I knew all the answers back then, Uh, and uh, for God to humble me in so many ways. Here's one story. Uh, uh, I remember I was the first church that I preached at that I didn't want to preach, so I thought, well, okay, I'm here, so and I, as I shared in the service, I wasn't too impressed with the church because they weren't living like it. So I would say my first year of sermons were hellfire and brimstone sermons. Oh, wow. And I just would pound it. Now, what's interesting is that like uh, Driscoll, um, yeah. uh, who is just really anti-everything, you'll get a following. When you preach against something, you'll get a following. Yeah. And some people come to church and like get, like to get beat up because somehow they think it's their penance. Right. right. Yeah. And, and so so some people like that kind of preaching. And so I would just was... I was kind of mad at God that he wrote me into it. number (laughs) one, And so I was taking it out on people. So I was preaching hellfire. So I had an elder come up to me and he said, you keep preaching like that. I'll be leaving this church as an elder. And and I said to him, you can't take the truth, huh? And so I went home. I had, it was a regular, it was a break. I forget. It was over a holiday. So I went home and I said to my dad, I said, dad, I said, I can't believe this guy, This one of these elders said said that to me about that. I'd step on, on his toes and preaching negative sermons and so forth. And he goes, well, son, think back this last year. How many times have you preached on the love of God? And I went, none. And he said, I think that man is right. And I was really mad at my dad that he didn't have my back. Wow. But... That was like a life-changing moment for me, and I went, oh, my goodness, even my dad saw it. So so that shows my arrogance and my willfulness. Uh, My attitude was horrible, yet God still hung in there with me. (laughs) Still Mm -hmm. used me. (laughs) So imperfect people,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Hey, um, thanks for joining us today, episode 64. Do all that good social stuff like share, ring the bell, do whatever it is. And if you've got comments or questions, um, that's a great thing. Uh, We didn't talk at all really about Great Lakes Christian College. It's a great place that's here close to us, 10, 15 minutes away. Um, Larry's not... Uh, I guess you are still officially associated with the college yeah. as president, yeah. uh, retired president, yeah. whatever. But <laughs> but if you're interested in um, in picking up a class to maybe learn some things to help build a stronger foundation, that's a great way to go, and uh, we can help get you connected there. That w- that would be marvelous. Uh, but thanks thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week on Pike Plus.